0: Together, Lord, we want to now center our lives around your great name through the teaching of your word. So, right now, Lord, we, we open our hearts to your word. Would you now open the word to our hearts? Would you allow us to see what, what we don't necessarily want to see, maybe a blind spot? Or would you now instruct us that, that we might be instructors? Would you now feed your church what is true and, and what is right? And allow your servant, allow me now to to teach this truth so so that we can be equipped to live hopeful and to be helpful. We ask you to do this in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. if you would go ahead and be seated, Jesus said um, in John chapter 15, um, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is is, in a seed that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Our capacity to be fruitful comes from our connection to Jesus Christ. You disconnect yourself from Christ, you disconnect yourself from the vine, the very one who gives us life. And so it is through our life in Christ and Christ alive in us that we bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, We understand what the fruit of the Spirit is through Galatians chapter 5. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul said, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, uh, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so what happens is is we are connected to Christ, and Christ is alive in us. We, We become fruitful. But you you got to understand what that means. It's, it's it's not inconsequential that Jesus used this metaphor. There's something significant about it. And it's something that we as North Americans, as those who who really value individualism, we need to understand that we are meant to be together. When you look at the metaphors, when you look at the symbols that are provided in the Word of God and and even in the early church, what you see are symbols being used that speak to the plurality of the people, that we are to be together because we're better together. We're able to grow better together. And so when Jesus speaks of himself as the vine and we are the branches, we get an the immediate image of fruitfulness as that of a grape. If you think about what Christ has done and what He is doing, as we are connected to the vine, we are able to produce fruitfulness. But notice, it's not in isolation. It's not a single grape. It is in a cluster. We are meant to grow together. What happens to, to, a, to, a, to a grape that gets plucked away and is individualized? I meant to bring up some raisins, but I, I couldn't find any. And so... That's why you get you get shrunk up. And you, you stop having life, and that life stops feeding you. And as we as a church, like these, these grapes will soon, they will soon wilt. Why? Because they're disconnected from the vine. We as a people of faith are called as disciples of Jesus to be connected to the vine and to one another to grow. We grow better together. Now, what we're not supposed to be are marbles. Now, a lot of People who claim to be Christians uh, think themselves not as grapes but as marbles. These individuals, collected in a place that are hard and unchanging, beautiful, but have no capacity to grow. See, you're not supposed to be a marble. You're not supposed to be sitting there. You're not just supposed to be sitting there, independent of everybody else. It's not something you just show up. Now they're pretty, and you're pretty. But you're supposed to be more than that. It's not that you just show up and say, well, I'm in church. I'm here. Oh, God, aren't you so glad I'm here? Aren't you so fortunate that I'm in your house today? Oh, oh, look at this marble. Look at me. Marble at the marble. Look at how awesome I am. Not going to change. Not going to connect. Not going to be a part of it. Just going to be my marble. not I'm going to bumping up against other people and say bye. And then I'll maybe see you next week if I don't have something better to do because I'm a marble. That's not what Christianity is. That's not what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. See, a disciple of Jesus is a grape and cluster connected to the vine, producing the fruit of the Spirit of God who is at work in us. And so what our text shows us today, shows us what that looks like lived out in a family of faith. If you catch your Bible, I hope that you do. Take it out and turn with me now to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Lexi Lanson is going to reinforce for you, our sweet girl. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Lancy is going. Lexi, not Lancy. is going to read for us uh, Romans uh, chapter 15. She's going to read a significant portion there, 14 through 21. Read along with her as she reads. Lexi, read did for us, I
1: myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly, by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus. The Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus. Then I have a reasonable proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished in me, to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all so the way around I'll so I'll to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And does not make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who had never been told of we will see, and those who have never heard will understand.
0: The word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lexi. If you would go ahead and be seated. What we see here is the importance of a, of a family of faith having the, the teaching of God. And, and there are certain aspects of things that, that we, are, we are supposed to do. Know who it is this is written to. It's written to disciples of Jesus who were gathering at the church at Rome. They were the church at Rome. And so we know that these are people who were together uh, pursuing and recovering God's design. We know that God's design is harmony, but because of sin, our, our world is filled with brokenness. We're broken, separated from God. But if we will repent, that is turn away from our, our, our self deception and self determination and believe in Jesus Christ, which is the gospel, then we can pursue and recover God's design. And as this church was doing that, they were they were growing. and they were growing together. They were better together able to grow because of the teaching that they believed. It's really interesting the the Image or one of the symbols that the early church used. It was an ichthus. Maybe you've seen this. I've got one on my Jeep. It's a fish. Uh, and, and this symbol is significant for, for what it means and for what it meant. During the, the Roman uh, time when, when, the, when the church was being persecuted, the Christians would use this as a, as a kind of undercover way of communicating to one another. And so, ichthyos, what it means is this Ichthyos is Jesus uh, Christus Theo, soter which translated in English means Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. What would happen is that believers, when they met one another, many times they would make this ark in, in the in, in the dirt or in the sand. They would be one of, hey, how you doing? They'd bend down and they'd make that ark, and they would step back. I and mean, if the other person didn't reciprocate, they would just talk with them just like they would anyone else. But if they reciprocated and finished the ectos, they knew they were believers. And see, once you know that another person is a follower of Jesus Christ and they are pursuing and recovering God's design, it changes the nature of your relationship. See, now all of a sudden you can grow together. Now all of a sudden you have something to talk about, far more significant than what you do for a living and and where you live and what your interests are and what football team you cheer for. Now you have something to talk about the Almighty. Now you can talk about the Lord Jesus who came, dwelled among us to give us life. Now there is a bond. And I, I want you to remember that we are to be like fish. See, fish are, to, are made to live in the water, and we're made to live in the living water, Jesus Christ. Now, fish may occasionally get out of the water, and we may occasionally fall into sin out of the way of Christ. We can't live that way. We can't live and live well, we'll die. But but in Christ, see, we we live together. Don't forget, fish are in schools. It's just like the grapes. They're meant to be in clusters, they're meant to be together. We are made for community. We are better together. And we grow better together. And one of the gifts that God has given us is the teaching of the Word, teaching that we not only receive, but that we also give. And I want you to see these components of what what enables us to grow better together in our text today. Let me encourage you to take notes. The notes are there in your bulletin. Let's look at these three things. The first one is this. Understand, we grow better together as disciples of Jesus because, one, we can teach one another from God's Word. We can teach one another from God's Word. Now, I, I love this, the three uh, portions here. I underlined this. I would encourage you to underline these three phrases in your Bible. They're in verse 14. I underlined them in mine. It says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are... Notice these three things. The first one is full of goodness. Full of goodness. Underline that. And then, filled with all knowledge. Underline that. And then look at that. Able to instruct one another underline that. See, the Word of God has been given uh, to make us like Jesus, that is, full of goodness. Without Christ, we are going to be full of selfishness. We're going to be full of our sin nature. And we can't help ourselves. We can't help but be what we are in our core. And separated from Christ, we we will always fall into self-preservation where we're smart people. We understand we got to get by, we got to get first, we got to get on with it. And in so doing, and living in the way of the world, we always sin. But in Christ, we're transformed. Who we are is different, so that we are filled with the goodness of God, so that we can then live good lives. And And that only happens as in as much as we are knowledgeable of Jesus. Look, it says, filled with all knowledge. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. I want to encourage you to go back and read Ephesians chapter one today and, and look at the heavenly gifts that we've been given. He says there that we have received every, we have received every heavenly gift from God that there is for life and for faith. Everything that we need has been given to us in Jesus Christ, in His Word. And so not only are we full of goodness because of Christ living in us, but we're full of knowledge, all knowledge that instructs us in the reality of the world. And we're able to instruct one another to make us teachers of Jesus. It's not because we're clergy, it's not because we've been given the title or position of teacher it's because we're disciples of Jesus. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples to all disciples of all time in matthew twenty eight nineteen through twenty He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now look at this. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This was not given to clergy, to ordain pastors or ministers. This was not given to those who have a position of teacher in the church. This is given to all disciples for all time. We are all to make disciples, and then we are to teach we are to tell what we know. It may be through testimony. It, it may be through opening the Word of God. Some of you are not doing this. Some of you are, are so immature in your faith that you are incapable. The writer uh, to the church of uh, the Hebrews speaks to this tendency within God's children that I want to warn you against this morning. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 5 beginning of verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. Let me just pause there. Some of you by this time ought to be teachers. By this time, you should have made at least one disciple. You say, well, I've only been a a, a Christian for a few years. Can I tell you that within a matter of weeks we should be reproducing our faith? Well, within a matter of, of days, we should be telling others about the saving grace of Jesus Christ and leading them to saving faith, and then continue on throughout the remainder of our, of our lives. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Some of you are you 're hearing the sermons you 're hearing the stuff. The reality is, and I want you to know this many of you know far more about the Bible and sound doctrine than many of our pastors that we support in nations. Like in in, in East Asia and in Southern Europe, pastors, you have more information than they do, and yet they are seeing more people come to faith for one reason: they're sharing. They are telling others about Jesus. They are teaching what God has given to them. Um, It says right now, you need milk, friends. You gotta get over it. You're not babies anymore. You gotta grow up.
1: You're not. You gotta
0: grow up. You're not supposed to be a baby forever you got to grow. Babies are cute for a few months. But what happens when a baby doesn't grow? Mom and dad get worried I'm worried about some of you because you're not growing. You, you're, you're not able to teach others, partly because you're not willing to, partly because you, you still need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, but solitude is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice of distinguishing good from evil. And you have to be able to teach the truth. I was so thrilled last week to hear, uh, actually it was two weeks ago, to hear from some of our young adults, two 18-year-olds, two different cities, two different colleges, um, they messaged me. It was really funny. Sunday night I got a message from both of them said, Pastor, I was in church this morning like they wanted credit, you know what I mean? And that's good. It's good to let your pastor know where you are sometimes. They were both in churches, but it was interesting. They were both in churches where something in error was taught. Not, not a primary doctrine, but something secondary. And they said, I want to let you know that this was taught at this church. And I had some friends with me. And so when we left the service, I wanted to let you know I shared this scripture that actually is the biblical truth. And I just wanted to make sure that I was right on this. And I can I tell you, I was so happy. I mean, there's nothing more pleasing for for a pastor, just like for a parent, who sees their child growing and then able to turn around and, and spot error and then instruct rightly in what God's Word says. I was thrilled. And I, and I just praised God and I praised them because they knew the truth. When they were able to instruct, they were able to teach it, it rightly. And, and that allowed them to grow in their knowledge, See. Look at the, it says, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the in the, world, in the word of righteousness. See, the word of righteousness, the Bible is given to us so that we can live righteous lives. It's not so that we can just look at it and say, oh, isn't that interesting. No. It's so that we can do what it says. Remember what James said in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 22? But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I, I, I write that down and go read the rest of it. But I, I just want to pause right there and I just want you just to catch that point. Listen, if you're just. You're just listening right now, and you don't go and live this. You're deceiving yourselves. The the Word of God is given so that we can know it, so that we can teach it, and and so that we will not live deceived lives, but so that we can live lives that are set apart for the glory of God. So in doing that, we we grow. We grow in our ability to discern. But food is for the mature, it says. And we are given the powers of discernment. This is a troubled time. It's a confusing world right now. And if you can't discern what is good and right, then you're unwise. I love what the says about this, about this whole idea of wisdom. To be wise is to know and affirm reality, to discern it, and then to speak and act accordingly. See, as those who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, who have been given the Word of God, we understand reality. Here's reality. God made all things to be in harmony, but because of, the sin, because of sin, there's now brokenness in our world. But God Himself has come to rescue us. Jesus Christ lived and died, has been raised, and He's, he's going to return again. He's going to restore all things. That's reality. And so we see everything else through the lens of that reality, and we make decisions based on that reality, and that makes us wise is that we're able to teach and we're able to share what God has given to us, to one another and to others, that they might be disciples of Jesus. But in doing it, we're the ones who are blessed. The more you share your faith, the more you will believe your faith. The more you pray for others who need salvation, the more you will be convinced of your own salvation. See, it is the gift of God that as we give, we grow. And so we got to teach one another. Second, we grow better together as disciples of Jesus because we can remind one another of God's plan. Paul, here you look at verses 15 through 17, that on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given to me, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. And so what Paul's saying to me, and he goes on to say, I'm proud of this. He said, I'm so proud to be a part of the work of God. He said, I joined God in His work. And what is God's work? God's work is fulfilling His promise. And God promised that He would come and rescue a people for Himself. He chose a particular people, the Jews. He chose a particular man, Abram. And He gave that man a promise. And He said, I'm going to bring salvation and healing and hope to the whole world. Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth of the Gentiles. All non-Jewish people. Abram became Abraham, father of the nations. And through him Jesus Christ has come. Through the Jews, Jesus Christ has come and our salvation is available to the world in as much as we join God in His plan as a part of what He is doing. Now so many don't. Why is that? If the plan of God is to bring hope and healing to the world, why aren't we living hopeful and being helpful more effectively? And here's what I see happening: We're too busy. See, we've been given so many resources that we can fill our time with all kinds of stuff. We can get on social media, and, and we can go to events and activities, and we can become we can become victim, victims of the, the, the tyrants of time. I've got to get here. I've got to rush over there. I got to be here. I got to I got I got to get this done. All this stuff that we do. Are we making disciples? Are we living as disciples? See, many aren't because they're too busy to serve God. They're too busy to live as a disciple of Jesus, and they're missing the point of life. The shorter Catechism speaks plainly to the point of life. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And until you are serving Him, you are never enjoying Him. See, if you don't enjoy God, you won't you won't tell other people about Him. The reality is, when you like something, you talk about it. You know, when I have a good meal, you know, remember when I told you about those M&M milkshakes at, at Cookout? How many of you guys have had an M&M milkshake? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm saying that wrong. It is a chocolate M&M milkshake at Cookout. How many of you have had one of those since I've suggested it? Sinners. Believe me, it's worth the 1,200 calories. You don't live on them. It 1,200 calories. You can burn that in a few months. Don't worry about it. Pastor said it's okay. Man, that thing—I've told everybody about it. Man, how can we not tell people about what Jesus has done for us? See, when you when you enjoy something, you tell about it. Most of us are too busy to enjoy Jesus, To, to seek Him in prayer and His Word, to gain the peace that comes from being in a community of faith, serving loving, worshiping, connecting, equipping, multiplying, all these things that are on the disciples' pathway. Friends, we've got to repri- reprioritize our lives so that we can live, so that we can, we can join in God's plan. And, 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 and more than that, it's more than just you know reminding of each other of God's plan. It's also joining. Write this down. We can join one another in God's purpose. And what is God's purpose? To bring salvation to the world. The book of Romans is the probably best uh, fundraising letter ever written. That's what the book of Romans is. It's a fundraising letter. Paul was writing to the church at Rome to explain the theological need for them to support his mission trip. So you look at the big big question he comes to at at, at the end, at verse 18, "I, I, I will venture not to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way to uh, Illyricum, Illar, Illar, man, I gotta get that, and have fulfilled the, the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I, I have my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I, I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. what well, he basically goes on to say is, and I need you to support me. I need you to be a part of God's purpose as I am a part of God's purpose, and, and what that means is, is it's not just the missionaries, it's not just those with the titles. It's me and you. We live. If you live in this city, you're a missionary here. And I know what some of you're thinking. I I can't do that. I'm not a missionary. I, I. Listen, God loves to use those who are not the wisest, who are not who are not the ones who have power. As a matter of fact. Every inclination in you should always be I, I can't do this. I woke up this morning and I hadn't even hit my feet to the ground and I said, Lord Jesus, I can't do this. I can't preach this truth. I, I, can't, I can't I can't do this, but I know you in me can't do it. The Christ who is alive in me can do this day. you can accomplish this because I'm nothing. I'm nobody. Paul says that about God's people. Uh, Mark, our missionary, last week, you addressed this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Listen, it's God that does the work. We're in the car, He's the engine, He's doing all the work. All we're doing is living according to the design, what the, what the manual says do. And when we do that, we join God in, in living hopeful and being helpful. Are you doing that? I wrote to the membership recently, and I talked about the importance of living what I call an I-squared lifestyle. I-I influence and, and, and invitation. Are, are, you, are you influencing, are you investing, rather, investing and inviting? Are you influencing others with your time, with your energy and prayer Are you inviting them to know Jesus? Are you inviting them to come and worship God with our family? If not, you're missing the purpose of your salvation. You're not growing as God would have you. You're too busy about you, and you're not about the things of God. Listen, giving financially to the work of God, I wrote to the membership about this recently. Listen, God doesn't need our money. He just wants us to center our lives around Him. Yeah, I tell you that in the last couple of weeks, I've had organizations call me, people giving large sums of money from from uh, from their their their, their group. Um, one gift of over a hundred thousand dollars, and the and said, "Listen." I don't know where to send this money in Texas, but I know Living Hope is always there, always able, always knows where to go, and they're a part of, of, of providing needs that are, need to be met in our city, and, and wanted to, to provide that resource through us to the right places. Uh, many organizations contacted me over the last couple weeks. How can we join? What do you know? We want to give to this. We want to be a part of this. You know why? Because we, as a, as a family of faith, have a reputation in the city to know that when we give, what we give to this one for the glory of God to help people. But I wonder how many of our members know that. Because not all of you give. And the reason you don't give is because you don't see the importance of it. You don't give because you don't believe in it. You give what you believe to. And I, you know, I don't need to try to talk you into squeezing out a few dimes and nickels out of your, uh, your hands for God's Word. Who okay. cares? the issue. Do you believe in the power of God and do you want to join in what He's doing? See, salvation is coming to people through this family of faith. Three languages groups were presented to you this morning. There's more. There are, there are places in this nation that are being cared for through our offerings and gifts. All over the world today, there, we have a team that are, that's on mission. We're going to commission another one, will be in East Asia. There's not one individual of us who can get to East Asia and West Africa and Southern Europe and Western Europe and Central America and have partners the way we do and touch the world with the gospel on our own. No, we're better together. We grow better together. And see, when we're investing and inviting and, and when we're giving financially, sacrificially even, beyond a 10% tie, when we are... Praying for God to do miracles in our midst, that's when we're joining in the purpose of God. And this morning, I want you to recommit yourself to the purpose of God. To understand that you need to be teachers by now, teaching one another, teaching your families, teaching your friends, joining in the big plan of what God is doing and reminding each other of the plan, but joining in it. And the only way you can do that rightly is to understand that it's about Jesus. It's not about you checking off the boxes and saying, I've been a good girl. I've been a good boy. I've done what I'm supposed to It's about loving and delighting in Jesus. If you do it for any other reason, you won't do it long. It is only when you genuinely love Him that you'll be a part of growing better together. So this morning, we're going to conclude by remembering Jesus in the Lord's Supper. You know, this Lord's Supper, is a It's a memorial doesn't give salvation. It reminds us that we're saved and how It points to Jesus. And so if you're not a disciple of Jesus, please don't receive these elements this morning. But if you have repented of your sin and believed in Jesus, receive these elements. But do it as a recommitment of your life to the authority and the grace of Jesus Christ. This morning I've talked about the importance of being able to teach, of reminding others of the plan, joining in the purpose. Are you doing that? Are you sharing Christ with others? Are you giving financially to God? Are you praying for God to do miracles? If not, you're out of step. Get in step with the Spirit and use this time right now to recommit yourself to Christ. Let's bow our heads together as we pray to prepare to receive the Lord's Supper. Father God, we have just a few moments right now to remember your Son that you sent for our salvation. And now is the moment for us to give consideration to our faithfulness. Are we, Lord God, able to teach? Are we willing to teach? Are we willing to to join in the plan? Are we willing to, to be a part of your purpose? Or have we been so deceived that we think this is about us and we're missing out on this glorious gift you've given? Right now, where you are, tell Jesus where you are with all this. Be honest with him. Recommit your life to Christ. In these areas that I've talked about, if you can, commit yourself to be faithful. Father God, we do what we do because of what Jesus has done for us, and if we do it for any other reason, it's an empty, empty purpose. But in in the Lord Jesus, we have every reason to delight. And so, would you now, Lord, as we as we sing of this man of sorrows, this God who became flesh to redeem us from our sin, this suffering servant that the prophet Isaiah wrote about, may we reflect on Your grace and remember You in
1: Jesus' name. Amen.